Hey everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of the Defog Mafia podcast. Really fit we lost one in uh, uh, along the way. But uh, anyways, uh, some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, the market's green, first off, so uh, everyone's happy to, in that regard. And uh, yeah, um, you know, some specific parts of the market doing better than others. Um, we'll get into that, but uh, yeah, all in all, uh, you know, uh, some cool stuff. Uh, anyways. I'll uh, pass it off, David. Doing good. You know, is the question is, we're going to have a little debate today. We're going to have a little bull versus bear case. And uh, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm still a little, little hesitant, a little bearish. I'm a little worried about macro. I don't want to get too excited yet. I know everybody loves the green, but, you know, this is, this is what they, this could be what they call a classic bull trap. And I'm a little worried, but we'll see. We'll see everybody's opinions. And then we have Mike here as well. Hey, everyone. What's up? <laughs> um, yeah. The Anon Wasi. Yeah. yeah, the Anon Wasi. Um, yeah, uh, cover bullish, bearish. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, I know Dylan's a little bit more bullish, David's a little, a little bearish. Um, yeah, for me personally, right now, I think the time to get long was probably like three or four days ago. Right now, I think the probabilities are more leaning towards the downside. But um, yeah, we'll dive in more into that uh, a little later. So, all right, yeah. where do we want to start off, Dylan? Yeah, so I think it's worth talking about, like, uh, you know, um, just what parts of the market we're we're seeing doing better than others, obviously. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, like. Obviously, the L1s, you know, your, your standard L1s are, are coming back strong. I think Avalanche is, is doing quite well. You know, Nier is, is performing pretty well off the lows. Um, I'm trying to think of, of the other ones. You know, you don't, and the less notable ones, maybe like Harmony or, um, I'm, let me check the price of Phantom. Phantom's 2-3, two, two, you know, maybe performing a little less good than, you know, the, the AVAXs of the world. So um, definitely noticing that. But then more excitingly, I, I have my eyes out on the, the GameFi hit earn space. Um, that's what I think is going to be the, the most obvious play of 2022, you know, and, and therefore the most bullish. Uh, you know, it, if, if L1s were the best thing that performed last year, I think play to earn is easily going to be the best thing that performs this year. Uh, so uh, that's where I'm spending a lot of my time and energy. And uh, there's there's a couple of cool things I like. Obviously, Jewel being one of the ones that's been you know pretty popular in the market for a while, uh, and uh, yeah, um, some other cool stuff. But that's just kind of where I'm at and uh, where I'm spending some of my time. So. Yeah, let's talk about GameFi because I'm kind of like I'm in the middle. Like I definitely am long-term bullish overall on crypto gaming. I think a lot of people are fading it just because they're like, oh, like basically because a lot of the games are kind of shitty right now, right? Let's just be honest, or they're not released yet, whatever. But that that's okay. It's very early. I don't expect things to be like AAA studio level quality right now. So I think it's foolish to like fade it just because of that. With that said, I definitely think there's a lot of stuff that's overvalued. Um, and I think the real skill is going to be who can identify over the next like, or like let's say for this year, for 2022, the stuff that is probably vaporware and not going to deliver on their promises versus who's actually going to build real games and have a token that can capture the value of those games is another key thing um let's start with you dylan because you're much more into the gaming especially in, like the avex eco what games do you like right now yeah um so obviously jewel's the first thing where you know just like the most obvious play um 
you know, all, a lot of us have, or all of us have been in Jewel for quite some time or, you know, in and out. And uh, I think all of us are overall long-term bullish on it, you know, uh, just from a general sense. Uh, my, my standpoint on that certainly hasn't wavered. Um, and the AVAC subnets will, uh, you know, a lot of people are expecting to be a catalyst for that, right? So um, definitely something uh, I'm betting on. And uh, uh, yeah, next up in terms of more specific AVAC stuff, Kerbata is the big one, like kind of more obvious play that uh, a lot of people have been talking about on Twitter. Uh, it's actually, it seems like there's some pretty great routes to get passive income through that. Um, I haven't explored it that far myself. I haven't got into like buying a crab and like starting to play it. Can you explain um, Kerbot a little bit for people who aren't familiar? Because that one's a lesser known game. Yeah. So um, you buy these crabs from the marketplace. So that's your NFT, your hero, you know, your Axie sort of thing. Uh, you buy those with a token called TUS, uh, Treasure Under the Sea, um, which uh, if you're familiar with Smooth Blood Potion, it's kind of similar, I guess. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. basically the same. So, uh, Smooth yeah, Love Potion the, is a token from uh, Axie, for those not familiar. So um, you use that in the marketplace to buy the crabs. And then, yeah, you like battle, you battle other crabs and, you know, you get Toss and or Craw for winning or losing a round, right? Or for a match. Uh, so, and I think there's like specific time periods to um, that. I guess maybe, I, I, yeah, that, sorry, that, that's about the extent of my knowledge. There's like, you know, like you can earn within certain time thresholds. So it's like, you know, you can like maybe play like four or five matches a day, right? Or something like, I forget exactly. Uh, but anyway. Is the so, game out yet for Kerbata? Oh yeah, yeah. People play, okay. people battle and, and you earn money. That's what I'm saying. Like you battle and then you earn crop or toss based on if you win or lose the match. And is the game fun? If there were not money involved, would people play it? It, to be honest, again, <laughs> I have not played it, but I peruse a fair share on Twitter, and uh, it seems like a lot of people are enjoying themselves. Like, to be honest, like a lot of people are vibing, like uh, playing on a day, playing on a daily basis, like actually, like you know, getting more into it, buying more crabs, like art, because you. The more crabs you play, the more you can earn. The more crabs you get, the more you can earn, right? The more battles you can do. So, like, people are really, like, you know, building up their squads and, like, getting into it. Uh, and that's something I'm really, like, you know, to it, it's hard to filter out the shit, to be frank, uh, when everyone's, like, bull bear, blah, 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 price this, price that. Uh, but one of the things I'm trying to pay more attention, like, because, like, uh, you know, if I think GameFi is going to be bullish 2022, like it would probably be advantageous to to build a long-term position in something, right? That I think is going to do well. Uh, what I'm starting to pay, trying trying to pay attention to is like, are these people actually playing the game? Like, and how active are they? Like, even if the price is down, has that really dictated the amount of people questing or the amount of people fighting crabs? Right. And with crabs and with craw and jewel. I think the answer to that is no. Like, I actually think the the users have either either stayed. St I would like to see the data for this actually, but have either stayed steady or gone up despite the price crash last one. Yeah, on DeFi Kingdoms with Jewel, I don't think a lot of the core people. Like, I think a lot of the uh, rotators and all of them who are just like jumping in the next thing, next thing, did leave Jewel because it's like, all right, it wasn't hot anymore and it lost its little narrative it had going. But most of the people who have been in Jewel, I don't think any of them left. And I think they're like, oh, we're just going to keep questing and keep farming our Jewel and keep earning Jewel because like long term, 
like okay for something like jewel it, it's down like 50 or a little more than that like 50 60 percent from the top right why is it because the overall market crashed or is it because they, they didn't deliver they had mistakes the game sucks whatever no i don't think any of the fundamentals have changed on jewel it's just you know the whole market dumped so jewel went with it right and so if you're the question is like had the market not jumped where would jewel be at and uh mike mentioned before foo on twitter if people are familiar uh said that he thought you know if bitcoin doesn't dump he thinks that jewel's at like 50 dollars right now right so i think the sentiment on jewel from the people who actually played it and were really into jewel uh I don't really think it's changed, honestly. You're I think right. a lot of them are just taking advantage of it being cheap right now. Um, yeah. And it seems like the same is, the, is true with Corvada. Now, there are other games where I don't think that's the case. And people are kind of like realizing, oh, this was dog shit. Mm -hmm. And we were just in this. Yeah. Let so let me cover those real quick. But those are the ones I definitely have, I guess, the strongest conviction in at the moment. Uh, other AVAX games, uh, DCAU, which is uh, uh, Dragon Gaming Coin. Uh, and uh that one the game isn't out yet uh that one marks the literal cap. top of like the last alt cycle right because that one pumped i think i remember it pumped like two three days before like what like a few weeks ago and everything dumped so i i hope uh i hope people didn't end up bag holding that one but yeah that one's still long term maybe bullish but i think there are some bag holders on that oh uh, yeah dog shit <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> it's so bad looking dude well, it's here. Why do you why do you not like it? Here, do you can you pull something up on it, Mike? Do you have a uh, like any screenshots of the game or something? I, I yeah. will say, man. Just I, go on the website. I, I will say though, dude, uh, the dev is actually really hard at work, bro. The dev is really hard at work. Like you can you can go on Twitter and find that guy. I recently followed him because uh, I've seen other people tout him on Twitter, and that guy grinds. Like he's not some like you know that dude's building. I promise that dude's building. I've learned nice. enough to know that. So Mark's uh, pulling, Mike's pulling it up now. The, Let's see what the, we got the, here. The NFTs are gonna look super cool, man. They're like they're like uh, actual people, and they actually look very good. Uh, okay. So just I gotta be honest, Mike. Go back to that screenshot of the two guys. I'm not saying it looks great. I'm not saying it looks great. I gotta be honest. I'm looking at that. That <laughs> looks like a flash game I would have made in like sixth grade in middle school. Uh, in like a class i gotta be honest i'm just saying i'm not trying to try, not trying to trash anybody's hard work here but what's the market cap of this thing right now it's like 15 uh, 18 million 16 mil okay what's does it have the fully diluted value i think that is I oh think it's the same okay. MTV, all, right, yeah. all right all right it's uh, uh deflationary isn't it there's oh, only, okay. there's so only isn't like, that one of the bull case for it too? yeah there's like only like i think it's half a million tokens period that's it all right. Well, that's not too crazy. I mean, 16 mil is still 16 mil, but that's not crazy as far as market cap goes, obviously. Um, look, look, I am not saying the games are all terrific. And uh, actually, if you watch the uh, Kobe's recent uh, unnamed podcast, uh, one of the, uh, they were they were discussing how it, it costs a lot of money to to make a really good game, like how much money Acti Activision and these these large corporations spend for these games mm -hmm. uh so i think it's you know you gotta lower your expectation <laughs> by the way bit. is why i'm bullish on jewel because they're not trying to build what costs a ton 
is like, yeah, if you're trying to build like Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty or one of these like 3D full maps, open world, all that shit, that is, yes, that costs a lot of money to build and you need 500 developers working on it, right? And designers and all that stuff. Uh, you know, Jewel being like a RuneScape, more potentially like PvP turn style. Uh, what is it called? Turn style? No, not turn style. Uh, turn based. Sorry, turn style. Uh, turn based. <laughs> game that's like much simpler and that is certainly possible to do and i think they'll be able to deliver on all the things they're building uh so that's why i'm much more bullish on jewel and there's um i remember i listened to uh arthur uh arthur not arthur hayes uh arthur um what's his name um xerox oh, yeah yeah and uh he he talked about one time uh, it was a very good insight, which he said, and he was actually talking about Axie in this case. He did make a lot of money off Axie, but it's a good point in that uh, games that are able to make a lot of money through their token and and have lots of money in the bank, so to speak, are going to have a massive advantage just because now they have a huge bankroll to actually go and build a real game, right? And DeFi Kingdoms is in that position now where they've made a ton of money and now they have a real bankroll and real backing and they can go to any VC that they want and they're going to be like, here's a check, right? Please, you know, take our money and they're going to be able to build a real game. And so once you get that flywheel going, there is a real advantage there. That doesn't mean success is guaranteed, obviously, but it's something to certainly think about when you're looking at these different games of like, okay, yeah, maybe right now they're not able to do it, but if you gave them a hundred million dollars in three years, could they pull it off? Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think that's what you're going to see with something like Defund Kingdoms, in my opinion. Um, let's yeah, talk about. Uh, what, I have one. I have yeah, one more go, I want to bring up. Um, so uh, although we just funded uh, Dragon Crypto Gaming, uh, <laughs> no, for real. And by the way, we have friends who are bullish on this. I'm no, not trying to fade. I'm. Them. I am bullish on this. To be frank, like I'll be okay. clear. Uh, uh, just straight up, I, I, I bought it. I tweeted about it. I bought a bag two, two days ago. Uh, but uh, small bag, just, just a little devil. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons is like, again, I saw the devs like fucking grinding, bro. And uh, so, you know, I know it might not look great right now, but, you know, these are all in their nascent stages. But the other game I wanted to bring up was Domi, uh, which I know uh, Sino and uh, Santiago Santisism. Uh, and uh, actually, one of the highlights uh, as my, in my findings was uh, the founder was from, um, he did the soundtrack for uh, League and Magic the Gathering. And obviously, the guys know, uh, I, I actually played Magic the Gathering professionally for, for quite some time. So uh, it's interesting to see. Um, I believe, the I heard, or if I saw, I believe, the RuneScape founder is also there. But I didn't see that on their website. So do not quote me on that. But I... I don't think I heard that out of thin air. Um, so uh, um, that's another, you know, if that is true, then that's pretty exciting too. So yeah, that covers like the AVAX crypto landscape. And then there's another one, Mike and I looked into a little uh, crypto unicorns. Uh, probably still got to do some more research there, but there's uh, there's NFTs out on Polygon, both land yeah. and Mike, can you pull unicorns. this one up? Because this one I am more bullish on, and a lot of smart people I know who are like very in the know in the like GameFi space are much more bullish on uh, the crypto unicorns. Uh, oh, I like this one too a lot. Yeah, uh, the token is not out yet. The main token. Yeah. They're, Mike, they're you've been researching this one, right? Can you tell us a little about it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, 
yeah, before I get into that, about Decal, it's like, I think majority of those of the games that are coming out are all pretty bad. Um, I actually am in Dylan's boat. I think this thing's going to perform pretty well over the next uh, month or so. Um, yeah, just yeah we, we, we should clarify, actually. Yeah. I do think, I'm not talking about, like, uh, when I when I say, like, uh, I'm talking more long-term in this situation, uh, there's definitely trades to be made, and I'm not telling anybody, like, hey, you know, we, we're all we're all traders here. You know, I'll, I'll happily jump in something if I think it's going to pump in the next week, right? So I'm not going to say that I wouldn't buy it. I'm just saying that long term, like, would I own this for a year? No, personally, no. Would I hold it for a week if I think it's going to pump? Sure. Yeah, and especially when you see games like this, Crypto Unicorns. So unicorns, what they're trying to do, so their CEO, uh, he coined this term play and earn. So they're trying to make the game a little bit more inclusive versus other ones that are play to earn or PVP, mm -hmm. uh, where you actually do have to have a lot of upfront capital to uh, get into it. So they're trying to make it kind of, they're also trying to integrate this social aspect. So you can kind of see in this image, right, where you have this land. So go back a little bit. So the way they have their structure with their NFTs is that when you have the Genesis Zero NFTs that are right now, it's sitting at like 2.2 Ethereum. And I think like almost like a month ago, they're at like 0.3. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Like the whole, if you look at the whole amount of holders that are in on the Gen Zeros, it's pretty, uh, it's not very distributed. So it seems like a lot of smart people might be buying mm -hmm. these up. And then they did the land pre-sale, which will be used in the farming aspect of the game for the in-game currency, um, which will be used for things like leveling, things like buying like potions, and uh, all the basically just powering their in-game economy. So they did the pre-sale uh, phase one, phase two, phase three, and the way they broke broke it up in the pre-sale is they have three different rarities: one being common, the second being rare, and the third being uh, mythic. So the Mythic 4 right now is at like 1.2, rares at 0.2, and commons are at 0.09. And if we go to, uh, I'm trying, let me try to find that describes it. Good. So yeah, you can do all the farming with your land. You're gonna the most you can have from land is nine. And the reason they chose nine is because if you look at the order. Hold on, I don't have a good. Yeah, so like in here, you can kind of see like you'll have you could have like a mythic in the middle and then have your other eight pieces surrounding it and all those uh, land plots get a bonus. And then the social aspect, which will be coming out, um, I believe, I believe the game comes out this month, the kind of beta version where people can start actually using their land and using their unicorn to uh, farm. But the social aspect of the, it, the will unicorns, come in. the unicorns make money already. Yeah, you can stake them right now. Yeah, people are getting like 80 bucks a day. It's pretty crazy. Because um, they have their smooth love potion-esque token, like unicorn milk out already. Not the main token isn't out yet, but they're that one is. Right. And that's where the kind of, that's kind of the value for all of these gen zero ones is that okay, you can stake them right now, you can start earning um in-game currency, but there's only gonna be a finite amount of unicorns for people to play with, and you need the gen zeros to make those. And I think they capped it at eight summons per Gen Zero. There will only be, uh, what is it? Like, how many are there? I think there's, yeah, it's a 10K. So there'll only be 90,000 unicorns in total for the game. So the value from those, I feel like, are going to go up to, I think those will get to like four or five ETH floor once they come like March. 
Do we know when the rainbow token is coming out? This month, I believe. Uh, okay. I heard. I read the twenty fifth. Okay, awesome. And uh, do, how are they airdropping it? Is it to landholders, or do they have? Is it like they have? Have they outlined that yet? They're doing a public sale. Oh, okay. I thought aren't they doing an airdrop too? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah, community airdrop one percent. Oh, okay, one percent. All right. Yeah, like for, for me with these tokens, honestly. So there's kind of two camps, right? Like there's people who say, oh, all these GameFi tokens are super overvalued. Like you saw the Love of Jewel um, because people were saying, look at the fully diluted value and a bunch of it is locked. And as they get unlocked, the price will dump. And they're saying like, oh, this game isn't even out yet. It's worth like, you know, what What was Jewel's fully diluted value at the peak? It was like over 10 billion, I think, right? I think it was six, sixteen, or something like that. Yeah, like in the in the multiple billions, right? And I, it's a totally fair argument to say that. And there are games like personally for me, Sand is one of them where I do think the fully diluted value is going to be a big deal. And at some point, it's gonna you know the the, the chickens are going to come home to roost on that one. Uh, but here's what I'll say: the counter argument to that is, if a game say say a normal game has you know generates whatever a, a billion dollars a year in revenue from people purchasing stuff in game right well when you in the traditional old gaming way if you buy something in the game you can't it, you're just giving the money to the company and it's gone forever right like it's there's no resale value there's no nothing when you Add a, a a value to all these things where it's like, oh, I can buy this character or this land plot or this whatever for 500 bucks. But instead of that $500 being gone forever, I can at least probably resell it for what I bought it for. Oh, and there's a chance that if I'm like early to this game and it grows, that I can sell it for much more in the future. To me, any game that say has a billion dollars in revenue could easily have a token that's worth $10 billion. Like, I think a 10x is like extremely reasonable for that. And that's why I think, by the way, all of the big game studios are going to realize this and come in because like, imagine if like Fortnite had a token, what would that be worth? I mean, that would be a hundred billion dollar plus market cap token without a doubt. Right. And and that, that's how I think about it. I think when people compare like, cause Activision just got acquired. Right. And it was like 70 something billion. And, you know, Activision owns Blizzard and Call of Duty and like all these mega, mega, mega franchises. And so we were really saying, look at Activision worth 70. And then you have like stuff like Sand that was worth like 20 billion. And it's like, is that fair? Probably not. But if if imagine if Activision had Activision tokens and those were like the in-game currency that used to buy all the items in their game, there's just so much value on yeah. that. Epic coin would be so much money. Right, right. Like if these had a real in-game economy, the value of those tokens would completely yeah. eclipse uh, the market caps yeah, of the you know, like uh, game studio. You know, um, I was actually uh, talking about this with, with a buddy who's uh, quite big in the NFT space, and uh, I, it, it's kind of a boring topic, so I'll, I'll save my breath. I won't like get into it too much. But like personally, I'm actually kind of bullish on like. Basically, corporations, you know, breaching into the metaverse and getting out their space. I'm not saying meta, but like, you know, whatever the hell Microsoft's going to do, whatever the hell Epic's going to do, like, those guys just have so much capital, infrastructure, developers to, and, and we know how much UI matters. Like, and, and we also know that uh, users don't care about decentralization. 
So it's like <laughs> those guys seem well well poised to uh, to basically come out with the best products and you know basically point and click everyone who has an Xbox can hop into the to the, the Microsoft verse. Um, so, anyways, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think those guys will uh, get a fair share of, of the market. Yeah, I mean, Fortnite like is a good example because Epic, I would say, is pretty forward with kind of how innovative they are. I think they do a lot of really cool stuff. If Epic were to adopt Epic Token or whatever, and all of the in-game items became NFTs, what kind of value unlock would that be? You're telling me that that wouldn't be a hundred billion dollar token? I mean, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that that would be it because because you have to think about it not as the valuation of a company that keeps all the revenue. You have to say what is the in-game economy of a game with tens of millions of players worth? What, epic community, exactly. The epic community. What is the epic community worth? What what is an in-game economy worth? That's that's what I think people are misunderstanding and undervaluing a lot of these things. Uh, and like I said, I think the real skill is going to be who's identifying which ones are overvalued and which ones are way undervalued. And the people who are right are going to make a lot of money. That's 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 the big theme for this year, in my opinion. Um, anything else on Jewel or uh, no, that, that covers GameFi, I think. Um, but yeah, the only no, other one uh, was Magic. Oh. Did we want to talk about Magic? Yeah, one well, thing on Jewel before we go on. Um, just on the point, just on the point you guys are talking about, nothing has changed. I think actually, like now that the price has gone down and not as many people are talking about it. That this is kind of the phase where Jewel is going to start to see um, their NFT economy start to take off a little bit more, mm -hmm. because they have the, um, I believe quests and airdrops that are go only only going to be eligible for people who have specific heroes at I think it's level five or level ten, maybe both, and those should be pretty lucrative. So now you're going to start to see like before it was more like okay, like I'm just going to get Fishers for the, you know, for the item farming or miners kind of on the beta for the unlock but now it's like okay well i can start doing quests that majority of people who are just in the game can't do now you're going to start to see like okay like people who have actually been playing the game and like leveling up their heroes now their hero price could increase exponentially purely because they've been putting in a few like a little bit of effort so um hmm. that dynamic of the game could be expanding but yeah let's talk about uh well, actually, real quick, sorry to uh, um, Joel, subnets, just real quick. Uh, obviously, that's going to be one of the coolest catalysts, like, and it should be launching, I think they said February, so fingers crossed. But obviously, you know, people probably know at this point, but you're going to be using Jewel for gas, and then there's going to be the Crystal Veil token, mm -hmm. which is going to enable a bunch of new pools. I've been hearing a lot about cool new pools, like uh, Lazzle, who's a big guy in the Jewel community, was talking about, uh, uh, like, Jewel Joe, uh, Crystal Veil, um, like other cool AVAX pairs that we'll start to see. So, uh, you know, uh, just at, on the discussion of Jewel and adding to the, like the fundamentals haven't changed. I do think that will be a big catalyst. And, you know, I know we like to make fun of Harmony, not trying to rag on it too much. Every blockchain is building and doing their own thing right now. Um, no, it's okay. Do, you can rag on Harmony. It sucks. No, yeah. but I do, no, believe, like but I do believe, no, but like, I do believe it's been holding us back. So like, or oh, yeah. back. so it's like, uh, yeah, the AVAX thing could be a really big deal. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath. I don't know what the hell it's going to do to the price. I don't really care. I think Jewel is like, 
just going to do great across the next few years. Like they, that team and that community is just kick ass. So, yeah, anyways. I do agree. The team is one of the reasons I'm very bullish on it. And the gas is a good point. I think people are very much underestimating, and not just GameFi in this case. Like, we're not going to talk about it today, but we've talked about, I think, a little bit like Synapse potentially launching their own L1 and Syn being used as gas is like very bullish. Like, that, that type of stuff where it's like token needed is, is, I don't think you should fade that. To add one last thing on this, yeah. I actually heard this. Um, recently like no no chain has had to have the stress test of a game that's successful before like uh like joel like even today and i'm certainly not trying to disparage Av avalanche we love avalanche here uh but i had some problems today with avalanche i didn't get i'm i still have some transactions pending i i think i gotta restart my my browser uh to to make it work but point being, I wouldn't be surprised if it was some of the action on Kerbata that is adding to this. So point being, games at a new level of how many transactions are going through on a chain. It's like a whole whole new level of, you know. That, yeah, that's exactly what happened with Magic, which we're going to talk about next on Arbitrum. When Magic does a launch, it literally, I mean, sometimes it, it, it doesn't break Arbitrum, but it makes things way, way slower. Uh, Mike, do you want to talk about Arbitrum? Or, I'm sorry, uh, Magic? Yeah, so Magic. So Magic was, so they started, I believe that they were, actually, if you guys remember Loot, they were actually a project that came out of all that, and they started with um, started with Small Brains NFT, I believe, was the kind of catalyst for them. And uh, it's, all they've done is just free mints. It's pretty wild. And um, Small Brains, I think, is at like four or five ETH floor. And if you had bought, if you just done a free mint for Small Brains when they launched, out of all the whitelist and free mints you would have gotten, I think you'd be up almost. I think it was like 70 to 90k depending on the fluctuations so they're basically creating this like nft economy where everything is kind of everything is built off of the magic token so for like when i'm thinking about magic i'm not just thinking like oh it's like one game i'm kind of betting on that this ecosystem is going to eventually thrive which it already kind of is and that at least one or two of the things is going to hit uh, whether all of them actually like multiple do you know to be determined but i think it's a safe i think it's worth the risk to say like okay at least one of these two things and the way that they've been shipping projects will um will pay out and if you want to you pull up the screen share actually yeah. this is the thing that like really i was like okay you know what i need to get into this ecosystem so this was posted in their discord the other day um so they're they're working on moving uh, their chain over, uh, moving their chain or their game ecosystem ecosystem onto a Cosmos chain for the gaming aspect. And going off of what Dylan said, it's like it's terrible. Like it's not possible on Arbitrum right now. It's not possible. Like all of these other chains are having that issue. And the fact that they're moving over to Cosmos is, I think, this is going to be probably one of the biggest catalysts for it. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have any thoughts on it so far? No, so yeah. So they're building a chain on the IBC, right? Yes. Yeah, so then they're going to be able to tap in all that value on 
in Adam, which is already catching like, that massive narrative, and then Evmos thing coming over, and then they have ETH Arbitrum. Like, yeah, the the bullish catalyst is going to be if they do launch on. Do they have a timeline for this? Do they, have they said of launching their own like L one on Cosmos? I don't know if they have a specific timeline. This was posted in the Discord the other day. Uh, it says sooner than people realize. So I'd say probably like within a month and a half, two months. Q1, let's say, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I think because obviously I think people who are on Twitter kind of see that Adam uh, Cosmos is getting like the, the narrative play right now. Even even through like, I mean, just everything being down really bad. Uh, people have still been really bullish on Cosmos Eco. So if we do get that like slightly bullish trend again in crypto and magic already has like a lot of momentum behind it and now it's part of the atom ecosystem yeah that's that's a pretty bullish catalyst right there honestly yeah and i mean i've I played around with the games a little bit the interface and it's you know it's not great but again like these are super early stage things and um i think just the progress they've made and then just the amount of like i, I think like the price of the nfts all being free is a really strong testament to the magic uh community and like the people that are in and like truly believe in this because if you like all of these things are free right all majority of the mints that are vetted by the by the magic team is all free so it's like people who are in all these different nfts they usually do like whitelist contests that are pretty easy to get on uh if you have like an nft from a previous collection so the, they're kind of creating this like ecosystem that provides value to each other and then when you see these things launch on their marketplace, I think the floor price, like the lowest possible price on a launch has been like 1K. So people don't just floor these things out for profit. Like people are holding these, wanting to be a part of the ecosystem and wanting to actually like use these things in the in-game um, comment they're building. So that's another aspect. And it's like, if you think about Jewel too, it's like, why is Jewel, why did Jewel do so well? Because people were bought into the community and actually like hyped about like what the team's doing so um, yeah and it's only sitting at a, a roughly a uh, hundred mil market cap right now so it's not it hasn't uh it's it's gotten some traction as far as like people talking about it but it certainly hasn't blown up yet mm -hmm. um all right any other thoughts on magic oh, i'm good no i, th I think it's uh really encouraging the the, the cosmos stuff super sick um, all right any game five metaverse stuff that you guys want to shit on because we've been very positive uh, i will I, I actually do uh <laughs> I, um, yes <laughs> yeah no like it's important to uh make this distinction like i've been going through this in my own mind metaverse is not the same as play to earn yeah like, i agree it is a subsection within the metaverse all right send all these fucking sand and mana send that shit to zero i don't care about minecraft 2.0 minecraft is way better than that okay i care about a new game that people can earn money on that they like that is sticky so that is an important distinction to make like i'm not and like like kobe even said he's like bearish metaverse and like he's right like but it's important to make the distinction in my opinion where it's like yeah i'm bearish that that's sort of crap overvalued you know hyped up nonsense that like basically nobody even uses uh just like grayscale and coinbase coins or something and then you know maybe smaller market cap games on avash or maybe on arbitrum that are that uh 
that are really starting to get sticky. That's what I care about. So anyway, it's an important distinction. The other one I'm kind of bearish on, not necessarily because I think it's a bad idea per se, but a lot of these um, like DAOs and guilds that are buying this like in-game items, like yield guild games and like i mean you'll ygg is probably the only one that i kind of like but there's a bunch of these now and they're valued at like 10 times 20 times the like game assets are valued at i don't understand why people are buying these things and like i i don't see that i obviously there's there's a certain level of like okay yeah if you pull your money together you guys can buy like the rarest whatever in-game items like i get that but does that merit a a 20x valuation of like we have a hundred million in assets and we're worth two billion dollars like that's the type of stuff where i'm like man i think that's that's like bull market froth at its finest and i think a lot of that stuff's gonna just go completely dump i i, I don't know who's buying that shit honestly uh, who 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 is like yeah i want to pay a 20x premium for this in-game item oh of the game that's not even out yet and probably won't be out for another year uh, th that type of stuff i'm very bearish on so is yg so wait i don't i i don't know a whole lot about ygg is ygg just buying these assets and that's what pe and that's the thing that's it that's it they, they, lend them out. On it. they lend them out like they're like yearn for, for yeah so it'd be like oh. like in okay. a DeFi kingdoms example it'd be like if a bunch of if a dow pulled money together and started like buying heroes and then like and getting the money from the heroes but instead of the out. heroes being valued at what they're worth you're paying 20x the market price for heroes and you, so why so you need YGG? So say you're like a new person, not a lot of capital, but you want to actually play one of these games. You could go in theory to buy YGG, rent out a hero, and play the game. No, or, it would be it would be like it, it's more if you're just like looking for exposure to like the game assets. Say you're like bullish, you know, Def DeFi Kingdoms heroes or something, and you're like, I want exposure and I want like a big basket of them. Like like if you only have like. Whatever. If you like, I have like ten grand or something. I don't want. I can buy a few heroes myself, or I can get a basket of them. A guild is just like a hedge fund. A guild is yeah, exactly, like an exactly. Indian hedge fund. So and YGG almost assuming, and don't quote me on this because I don't know actually the utility of the YGG token. But to me, it would seem that if you're buying YGG, you're basically it's like you're want. I want equity in the the gaming hedge fund. Now I'll say this: of all of them, YGG is the only one that I actually. I'm a little more bullish on in terms of like I think the team is really strong and all of that. I think they're overvalued, but that's not the team's fault. But a lot of these other ones, I think they're pure like just cash grab bullshit. Honestly, I think like they, they're going to go to absolutely zero. And because again, it's like I, I get the idea, right? It's like okay, I, I can buy a basket of like assets in this game instead of just buying one individually, right? Totally get it. If it was valued at like. 1.5x the assets or something. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a decent buy. But at 20, 10, 20x, it's like I, I, I just don't understand. It's completely overvalued in my opinion. And especially things like, like, uh, uh, what's the one for Star Atlas? Polis. I, I, I was Polis. trading Polis for a little bit, and it's like. <laughs> Polis owns starships in a game that doesn't exist. And Polis's market cap was like almost half or a little higher than the entire market cap of Star Atlas. And I'm like, this is this is insanity. And it's completely dumped since then. So, you know, my, my thesis was right. And I think a lot of them will uh, turn into Polis and, and much worse as we uh, move forward. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And just one more note on that. Yeah. It's like, bro, like a lot of these games, they're, they're going to, I mean, the fact that they're launching so many years out before the actual thing 
like you can actually use these things. It's like, okay, well, one, I think you're t you're trying to bet that these other big game series that we talked about aren't going to pivot by that time, which I'm mm -hmm. not willing to. I don't think the problem the probably isn't that are low, in my opinion. And it's just like, how many AAA games come out that are, have massive funding that fail? A ton, dude. There's there's not that many games that actually see success, and yeah. I, I don't know. It just it just seems like you're betting against two things that where your probabilities just aren't against you. I don't know. What do you guys feel about that? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. That's again, not like one of the reasons I stress the community aspect is like, um, you know, it just builds people who, who are, are here to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the realisticness of can this game be built? Like the reason I'm bearish on something like star Atlas is because they're trying to build something that if it wasn't even crypto, if it was just like a non-crypto game, I'd be like, damn, that's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars and many years to make. You know, this open world, open universe with spaceships and you can visit planets. And it's like, dude, that's that's a massive endeavor. And, and I just most games, there's been games that have tried doing that and most of them fail. Um, so I think, you know, valuing that at whatever. What, what is Star Atlas worth right now? Let's see. I, I have it up right here. Uh, it's obviously gone down a lot with the last dump, but uh, let's see, 128 million market cap, and I think the fully diluted value is even higher. But yeah, it's like okay, is something that like that worth 130 million dollars when the game's not even out yet and won't be out for another couple of years? Hmm. No, I think your money's better suited. You know, like it's it's worth more than Magic. It's like if you what are you, if you're gonna decide between this and Magic, is it even a question? You know? Yeah, totally. All right, All right, let's move so, on from GameFi. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, we want to talk about NFTs just a little. And we talked about uh, unicorns and the land and the unicorns themselves that you can get there. And Magic also has their, uh, their NFT platform. But just more broadly speaking, you know, NFT is obviously uh, really performing well throughout this past, uh, like, January and like, throughout the cra crash, um, which also, you know, I guess asks two questions. Like, one... You know, are NFTs in their own market, which one could definitely argue they are. Uh, I know I saw a, a, a picture of uh, Google searches like NFTs surpassed crypto or, or Bitcoin it was or something mm -hmm. like that uh, recently. So that's something I think about. And the other thing I've definitely been thinking about more, like as almost, maybe I'm crazy. This might be some uh, some full on like uh, 40 voltard shit, but like what, you know, using NFTs as a hedge for when the market goes down. Because you see, like, when coins go up, the NFT floors often drop. When coins crash, you know. And NFTs are really interesting because they... Crypto, uh, all like coins. Yeah, you already just started that. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, rewind yeah. just like 10 okay. seconds. Yeah, I was going to say, NFTs are really interesting because they seem pretty uncorrelated. Uh, I mean, there's obviously slight correlation, but I agree. I, hedge is like, you know, always depends on your strategy. But yeah, they're definitely uncorrelated. And NFT is is 100% where retail is at right now. Like, I, I think I, do, I definitely agree with the thesis that a lot of people have that um, a lot of these like 
altcoin shitcoins that used to be like the retail coins that would get pumped. I think all that money's in NFTs now because it's just it's just so much more intuitive for people, right? People don't know how to read a chart or how to like understand a market cap or any of those things. But people can look at a picture and be like, oh, it's worth one ETH. I think it might be worth three. You know, like that's very basic, very like it doesn't take a genius to understand it. Um, and there's like this built-in community with all those that once you have this, you know, profile picture of your thing that there's a bunch of other people and you all talk together. And I, I think it's, it is where the retail masses are headed and it, it, it's pretty clearly onboarded. I mean, I mean, what do you think is onboarded more people to crypto at this point, Dogecoin or NFTs? NFTs. NFTs? I think so. Right. I, I don't know the exact date. I'm sure we could probably figure it out. We don't have it right I'm now, sure. but, um, That's a good question. Because Dogecoin, like, cause you can buy Dogecoin without actually having to interact with MetaMask. So, like, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, yeah, you're encrypted, but it's like, you're not Are you really, really doing it. You know, yeah. how many people would just buy it on whatever Robinhood or Coinbase? Like, they never look at it yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I mean, at the peak, I think uh, Doge's volume was a third of all Robinhood volume. Not crypto, all so, so, volume, yeah, You know, yeah, like, yeah. that's insane. That's insane. I think it was, it was revenue. <laughs> revenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's, uh, yeah, fees. Yes, yes, you're right. That was a third of all their fees was literally Dogecoin at the peak. Like that's crazy. But Mike makes a very good point. You just have a Robinhood account. It's not a big deal. You know, instead of buying, you know, whatever bullshit stock, you buy Dogecoin. Yeah. Uh, with NFTs, you have to make a MetaMask. You have to get Ethereum. You have to do all this stuff. You it's know, very was, different. It's good at all. I was watching an interview with uh, one of the guys from Jump Crypto last night, which uh, the, the the wormhole bridge something that they, they they were the ones who uh, you know paid the bill so mm -hmm. to speak for that uh, the other week. But uh, you know some of the smartest minds in crypto, and he said something brilliant, which was uh, he was like, you know, if you just have some, if you just tell somebody, hey, buy some Avalanche or Solana, send it to your whatever hard, send it to your wallet. And then put it in a LP, you will save six months of reading. And you will fast forward six months of people dirtling and doing whatever the hell on YouTube, or you know what I mean? If, if you just do, if you just get it, send it to your your you know actual on-chain wallet and then participate in on-chain activity, you'll learn so much. So I'm just adding that. So when you said like, are you really in crypto? I love that because it's like, yeah, are you really? And yeah, again, sorry to kind of off tangent but like no but like the hardest part i think about getting people into crypto especially like on chain is it's not super user friendly yet to like set up a metamask wallet you got to save a seed phrase you there's a lot of security that people are not able to handle at all uh which does worry me uh, but beyond that like you have to set up a seed phrase you have to connect to a chain if you're trying to do multiple chains you have to add an rpc all this stuff that like is not intuitive at all but if people are willing to get over those humps because they're like, I really want to get this NFT and a lot of people are, and they go through that process the first time, now they're a lot more used to it. They're a lot more comfortable. And so then it, it closes that gap of like, once you're on ETH, then it's probably not that big of a deal to like go to Avalanche and then maybe start looking at DeFi and maybe start looking at other stuff that's not just NFTs. It's, it's probably the best onboarding thing that crypto has ever had up to this point. And I think it's, Honestly, only going to accelerate this year. Yeah, agreed. I, I do. Th I think that getting people on into crypto, it's positive. I do think that a lot of the 
you know, DeFi concepts like staking and having a coin is not good. Like NFTs are not good for that because there's mm -hmm. so many projects, right? They're having, oh, you can stake your NFT and you can earn this coin, blah, blah, blah. Or you, have, you get this land, you can farm this. It's like, yeah, it helps you learn it, but it's like, majority of these things the, the their tokenomics are not set up to be they're not they don't know what they're doing like they're trying something that's just like it's just not gonna work and uh i think having people's exposure the first time into something like that is uh not the best thing but in the long term probably won't matter as much but i don't know you know what i'm saying Oh, a hundred percent. There's like, like the idea that like uh, NFT with staking is magically worth more than another one is complete bullshit. If there's no reason to stake, right? They just add this extra functionality to pretend that there's like some new value there, but but there's not unless there's a reason for staking, you know. And uh, I think a lot of people have gotten burned by that. Um, that's where the education comes in and that's where you know we do need to have a lot more beginner education in crypto especially with like DeFi concepts because i mean if we want DeFi to be for the masses we have to simplify this stuff so much like people don't understand liquidity pools and i mean that's just like so over people's head um which by the way quick plug we are currently almost about to launch our uh, new website uh, which we will have beginner guides on lots of uh, DeFi stuff, like LPs and staking and farming and all that stuff. So quick plug. It'll be out soon. Um, yeah, I agree. I do think a lot of that is kind of predatory, though, if I'm being honest. And, oh, and we actually, have a token with our NFT. Um, and actually, um, just like on the onboarding discussion, uh, I mean, can't be ignored. And it segments into something else I wanted to talk about, the Super Bowl, like the pop culture aspect of it. Like now right. that, you know, Post Malone and Paris Hilton or whatever, like, you know, whatever, top signal, whatever the hell you want to call it. But uh, really, it is just putting so many more eyes and attention, uh, you know, mind share on this sort of space. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's it's short term toppy or whatever, but uh, ultimately that is uh, what's going to lead to more mass adoption. So, um well, I mean, yeah, we have the Super Bowl coming up, right? And I know you're like excited about it as far as like, oh, we can get a nice pump going into the Super Bowl because how many different NFT projects so, and crypto stuff can be in the well, Super Bowl? Yeah, so actually I was hearing Ledger talking about this today on Weekly Open. Uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, they're expecting Crypto.com, FTX, and Coinbase all to have commercials, probably multiple of them. I wouldn't be surprised. And then Board Apes are also going to, I believe, have a commercial. Like, I think yep. that's, like, already booked. So, uh, and, you know, what does the Super Bowl commercial cost? I think it's, like, 70 uh, million. Or what is it? It's, like, 10 million? Or it's a it, de it depends. I think the spot itself is, like, it depends how long it is. They, but said, it was, like, they said it was eight figures. Yeah, I think it was, like. Is it eight figures now? It used to be like four million, and then you have the actual cost of the production. So, it, I mean, it really depends. But yes, yeah, so it costs millions of dollars to do these commercials. And so, uh, Board Apes have one with Adidas, right? Uh, the hundreds atom bomb squad are making like a custom e e Super Bowl jacket. They said E Toro is going to have e Toro. One. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's going to be. Surprised be... If Robin Hood has one. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, Robin Hood is launching. Gemini. Gemini. Maybe. Maybe no, I know. I and it's going to be it, it's going to be weird, honestly, to see a lot of stuff in the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, I mean. Mass adoption, like th that's the thing, right? W w what is the difference between top signal and mass adoption? 
think it's very hard to tell. Probably both uh, at the same time, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I, part of me feels like for those who were around in like 2016, 17, that's when I first started getting into crypto. I got more in 2017. I wasn't so much in 16 um, as an investor. I was just like watching it. But uh, I think NFTs like 2021 could have been the 2016 because 2016 was when like the masses first started really talking about Bitcoin. Um, like that was when like Bitcoin got on CNBC and they would start talking about it. Right. And like like you have actual masses talking about it. And NFTs, that, but it didn't actually top out and have the mega, mega adoption. If you guys remember in 2017, when it was like everybody was talking about crypto, like, like as an anecdote, okay, this is total top signal in hindsight. Of course, I was new and didn't know anything. I, this is back in the day. I used to work at Best Buy, okay? I was a little, little teenager David was working at Best Buy. And I specifically remember like everyone at the store all the employees were talking about like buying different cryptocurrencies okay major top signal obviously but that was like like i remember like i had a friend who bought a bunch of ripple and stuff back in 2017 you know and like that i think is going to be 2022 i think 2022 will be the year that everybody you know has an nft probably you know and that will probably be the blow off top and then we'll go through another cycle like everything else but i, I think that's what we're potentially looking at now when that top will be i don't know but i think we are we are very much in the exponential growth part of the curve before we get to that top what do you guys think yeah maybe um, the top is the super bowl and uh, it completely dumps i don't know uh, i'll push down. back on the nft everybody you know comment uh I, I don't see that world at all. I, I've been hearing kind of more stuff like this. Uh, I mean, I don't mean everybody, but I mean like, like I said, like there will be uh, a bunch of dudes at a Best Buy talking about which NFTs they own. You know what I mean? In the same way we were talking about, like, oh, you see Ripple, you know, back in 2017. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. No. 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 It's 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 fair. I was just gonna say, like, uh, I've been seeing more rumblings about this, like. Uh, like I heard, I saw a tweet like crypto Twitter's term turning into normie Twitter, and uh, I'm sure you know it, it's it's getting much more mainstream. But my point is like, uh, to be frank, like you know the person people who tweet that or people who think that like you must not talk to enough normies because I can tell you like I, the few normie friends I've got like you talk to them, like people who either have a little bit of crypto and a Coinbase account or you know are not in the scene at all, like. What you just described, everyone having an NFT, that is not close. That is not fucking close. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, dude, but, I, I'm going to push back because, I dude, I remember right. 2016, nobody talked about crypto. Like, it was very fringe. And then all of a sudden, in the span of, like, three to six months, everybody was talking about crypto. Everybody I knew was talking about crypto. And, like... uh I don't know. I mean, I think that, and I think NFTs could be that too. The other thing I'll say about NFTs that's unique, women like NFTs. Not all women, obviously, but way more women are interested in NFTs than have ever been interested in crypto. And that's half the population. And I think that is like a big difference with NFTs versus regular crypto is that you could onboard a ton of women that never were interested in crypto beforehand. That's a really, that's a really good point. This crypto mainly was it was just males. That was, yeah. that was pretty much it. Without yeah, I'll say 2017, there were no girls talking about crypto. That it was dudes. I meant most dudes were talking about crypto. <clears throat> yeah. 
That's a good point. Um, I think I'm kind of in the middle of both your guys' takes. Um, I think there will definitely be a lot of people MMTs, or at the very bare minimum, know about it. I think that's kind of a given that everyone will pretty much know about it, whether they actually choose. Like everyone's different with their money, right? So it's like, am I going to spend five hundred dollars on NFT? Probably not going to be a lot of people that do that, but there will be people who end up, you know, buying some probably rug bull or some cash grab. Um, the thing that's really unique about NFTs for me that I have yet to like really come up with an answer with is that okay, yeah, like there's obviously cycles and everything, but compared to traditional like trading stocks or crypto, it's like you don't have to deal with like quants, you don't have to deal with algorithms that are selling, mm-hmm. and there's the whole community aspect of it, and the supply on a lot of these things is so low where it's like okay, like we kind of saw a big dip in what what was it November I think November to December everything yeah. was kind of dead. Mm-hmm. and like i kind of could see this world where it's like okay well it's not like it's a market where we see these pullbacks but it's like maybe we don't see where everything's just dead you know because there's going to be these communities that have been created out of these things that are still striving like striving or what's the fucking word um thriving thriving yeah not striving thriving um they're striving to thrive yeah they're striving to thrive um they're you know doing cool stuff and uh i could i could see nfts being a kind of like an anomaly in terms of like market cycles where we don't just see everything just like completely die when we hit that kind of exponential curve, which we're in. So I want to just chime in real quick, like to make an important distinction. Like you said, at least they'll know what an NFT is. So Dan, David said, everyone will have one in their wallet. Okay. I'm exaggerating when I say everyone, obviously, but I think like there will be, an unfathomable amount of people who own nfts like i think we will see at least 10x as many people who own nfts in the next six months that do now that could be true yeah that could be true but i just wanted to say like mike says okay they 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 might know an nft is i i I interpret that as like they've heard of it because yeah you talk to somebody you talk to random normie on the street or person at a club about an nft they're they're gonna ask you the self the, the picture question Everyone is going to ask you, why can't I take a screenshot of the board? And mm, uh, I, I, all those okay. So point being, like, is do, do they really know what an NFT is? You know what I mean? Like, do you really consider those people, like, properly onboarded? Or, like, uh, do what do you mean, mean do they people? know, like, from a technical standpoint? Or do they, well, like... That's what I'm saying. Like, do they actually like, I don't know think most people, like, I honestly... You know, that's what I'm saying. Hearing of, of Post Malone buying a board ape is different from knowing what an NFT is. You know what I mean? And like understanding that it's, you know, not just some thing. I, I don't think up. a technical understanding is that important. Do no, people understand even, how? It, no, it's not, a te- it's not a technical understanding of it. It's just the framework of understanding like, okay, this is a like non-fungible version of something that is like, you know, verifiably true. You know, they don't need to know the verifiably true part. But point being, they can make the distinction of this is real, this is a thing, like, and, and understand why. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think a lot of people could. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, there's an important distinction there. Well, a lot of people I, in that camp are in the boat that, oh, crypto's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Like, all this shit's, you know, it's just dumb. You know, and I think like, a lot of people are hitting, we're getting to that point now where it's so in your face that many people who are like, semi-smart will at least look into it not to and won't just write it off you know because we're, we're getting to that point where it's like everywhere like my like ftx has got sports sponsorships 
on like everything. Crypto.com just bought like Lakers stadium. Like we're kind of getting to that point. Yeah. And, and I'm not, there will also be 10 times the amount of haters, by the way. Like uh, there are hundred percent be so many people who can't stand NFTs. And I'm sure all this like anti-crypto stuff will just get heightened even more because if you already don't like something and then it grows rapidly, your hate for it is just going to increase. People do not like changing their mind about things. Um, so that'll probably happen too. But as far as like understanding NFTs, I think, there's like, a, well, they understand from a technical standpoint. No, I don't think that matters. And I know what you're saying, Dylan, too. The, on the right-click save point, I think that is not going to be possible um, very much in the future because I think NFTs are going to evolve. Right now, we think of NFTs mostly as like profile pictures and stuff like that, um, or maybe like digital art, and that's about it. I think NFTs, we're going to see a rapid evolution where there's going to be very unique things about them, and it's not just going to be some picture you can save. I, I, and by the way, with all that said, I think there's plenty of st stupid NFT projects and scams and all of that. So don't get me wrong. And a lot of the criticism is warranted, not the environmental stuff and all that, but like the idea that like, hey, there's a lot of hucksters and scammers. There's a hundred percent are. Um, but, you know, that's the case with everything. I mean, uh, we'll get through that. Uh, that doesn't really worry me. But yeah, I think my bet is how many how many uh, users do we have right now that own NFCs? Uh, does it say on here? Mike. Doesn't, I don't know if it says it says monthly after traders. Okay, um, what's the number at roughly right now? Total opens traders over time one point two. Okay, uh, I I'm willing to bet right now we will see that number be ten million at least this year, at least ten million this year, if not more. That's my bet. And the question, for me, honestly, is because ETH is expensive as hell. What do you think the alt? What do you think the cheap NFT chain will be? Do you think it'll be an L two? Do you think Solana will come back? Do you think it'll be Avalanche or what do you guys think? Because I, I think, think there one. will be another one. I don't think there's one. I think they're all developing their own. Uh, do you think there will be a okay? Who will be second largest? Maybe they won't own the whole market, but who will be second largest? For Arbitrum, NFTs specific NFTs, yeah. Arbitrum near. Slash AVAX, not Solana, even though they already have a lot no, of traffic. So, shit, sorry, my bad. Solana, Solana's yeah. I was about to say, I would go Solana near, and then do you lump like do you lump Arbitrum in with ETH? That's my other question. No, that'd be separate. So, uh, I'll, yeah, that would be my list. Those three, uh, Solana's definitely number two. 100%. Uh, well, actually, AVAX in the play to earn uh world, AVAX is, is certainly in the conversation. So uh, I don't That's know, true. man. It's it's a tough. It's a tough. Uh, it's actually pretty tough. Uh, and near, honestly, like I've been looking into near NFTs lately, like just like exploring that a little bit. And uh, that ecosystem is in, in its early stages, but like I actually expect it develop pretty well, and it's definitely a good experience. I, I bought a couple myself, and it's it's it's, a, it's similar to Solana, you know, uh, in terms of speed, cheapness. You can send right to your near wallet. So, um, anyways, point being. I think for me, uh, they've all for, got a shot to me. They've all got a shot. I think for me, for this year, I'm not talking like in the future. I don't think near will be it this year. I think it's okay. too small still. I think it will be Solana number two, and then either AVAX Arbitrum will be the number three. That that's that's what I think will happen. Um, I could see a world where something like Solana actually has more users than Ethereum for NFTs but less volume because the NFTs are really cheap. Like you could see like 
like i'm surprised i I think we will see like collections where you have like a hundred thousand and it's like the average price is like 50 bucks or something and that's like the much more normy thing i think we'll start seeing stuff like that and that would have to be on something like solana where it's a lot cheaper of course the chain would have to work too but that's a different conversation (laughs) i I definitely think solana's in the front run there uh like i know we kind of make fun of it some but it's definitely got the lead and uh, it's a great nft space i mean shit that's where we all met right so like it's a it's a uh it's a good experience it's good user experience uh like i could um, see like a nike or maybe not nike but like some mega brand i mean like we're gonna do a hundred thousand collection at a hundred dollars a piece or something like that and it's gonna be like for the masses nft collection like we haven't really seen that yet well remember jordan partner with solana yeah okay there you go see i forgot about that jordan maybe it could be jordan or something like that right i i think we'll see something like that soon um Um, but yeah no uh yeah, I'd say Solana for normal NFTs, AVAX for gaming, and then yeah, I think you made a good point with near in earlier stages. But I, I'd be bullish on on that development. I think there's some- yeah, maybe next year. I think it'll be too soon this year, in my opinion. Um, okay, so actually, it kind of segues nice. Uh, last thing we want to talk about today is just like more various broad L two stuff. Um, some cool developments. Uh, this is definitely an area that I spend some time on, and uh, the guys know I, I've been looking into for quite some time now. Uh, I know some people think the L2 space is, uh, you know, maybe they don't believe in it, uh, in, in the e-scaling, and uh, or maybe they think it's a discombobulated mess. That is fair to me. Uh, there's a lot of fragmentation in uh, mind share and liquidity with the L2 space, but all that to be said, I, I find it quite interesting. So anyways, uh, most notably right now, uh, there's some cool stuff going on in Arbitrum. Uh, so uh, we talked about magic. Uh, the NFT space, and then um, obviously everyone probably knows we're, we're pretty fans of Dopex on this show, and uh, they're really growing out their ecosystem uh, pretty substantially. Uh, uh, JonesDAO is a is a product that just launched where you can give Jones your your assets, and they'll do the options trading for you. So if you don't want to, you know, participate in the structured products on Dopex, just give them your assets, and they'll do it for you. And uh, and they they launch a token. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, and then Vesta Finance, excuse me, like catch my breath, uh, is almost like an abracadabra, or very much like an abracadabra uh, for Arbitrum. Uh, also uh, backed by Tetranode and, and uh, that sort of crowd. So that recently launched, um, and then uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something else. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, at least for Arbitrum, that's it. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it for there. So anybody have any thoughts? Yeah, okay. As far as L2s of the ones that exist right now, Arbitrum is the one I think um, has the biggest chance of being dominant um, overall. I think, I know there's like Metis and obviously Optimism and some of those. The ZKs we'll see. That's that's a whole different paradigm. Um, to me, I think Arbitrum is, first of all, just I, I just think the team is the best by far. Like it's not even close. Uh, they've been working on Arbitrum for like since... 2014 or something before ETH even existed, right? And uh, I, I think their team is just absolute giga brain. Every time I hear them talk or like read their stuff, it's just like, oh, these guys really get it. They're here for the long haul. They're not like doing some quick cash grab L2, like I think a lot of these L2s are. Um, and they're not like, I know everybody's like, oh, what about a token? What about, uh, I, I think they will come with a token at some point, but 
it's not a main priority because they're like, we want to focus on the tech and actually having the best platform. And then maybe we'll do a token later. Well, on those, uh, those rollups are raising at pretty crazy evaluations right now. Like, I think I saw Arbitrum, I forget what it was, man. It was, it was somewhere between like two and six, I want to say, uh, two and six B evaluation. And then mm -hmm. uh, ZK, uh, or it was either Starkware or ZK Stark raised also, I believe, a billion or two evaluation. So uh, on the token aspect, like, yeah, I, I do expect a token at some point, but it'll probably come, come at a pretty high evaluation. Um, but yeah, no, that makes sense to me, man. Uh, Arbitrum, Arbitrum's great. They seem the most closely in line with Ethereum. But I will say, and I've said this vocally, like, uh, there's a big lack of marketing. Uh, you know, I totally understand people uh, just here to build and their heads down. Like, I respect that. Uh, but two billion. I just found it. Uh, Arbitrum raised it two billion. Oh, let's look for that. There you go. Great. Thank you. Uh, but you know, crypto is a space where, uh, community and marketing is, is quite important and, you know, it's kind of hard to ignore that. So, um, you know, I think they do neglect that at the moment, to be frank, which is, uh, a little annoying as somebody who's been an active arbitrary user for a, a long time now. But, uh, I, I, I agree with your overall sentiment that those guys are a really sharp team here to build, building something strong and robust not a quick cash grab agree with all that so uh, yeah, my, my counter that. on the marketing side for arbitrum right now is that they need to focus much more on scaling and making sure the tech works before they try to like market and bring a ton of users because you don't want to market something that then breaks and then people will have a bad taste in their mouth for your l2 your brand and i think that the marketing will be if they can continue improving on their scaling and then do a fair launch type of like airdrop token, that would be the marketing. And that would be really successful in my opinion. Um, and then obviously they can do more traditional marketing from there. I think the reason a lot of these other L2s get traction is literally just because they have a token and not because the tech is actually that good. Like not to, uh, you know, shit on your bags a little bit here. Personally, I don't like Metis. I think that Metis is kind of, like, like, I think if Metis didn't have a token, no one would care. And that's my personal opinion. Why, why do you like Metis? Yeah. Um, and Vitalik's mom. Yeah, so... Uh, um, no, uh, no. To, to be frank, the Metis team is really strong. And they've been actually building their shit for, I think, around the same time, 2015, 2016. So they've been in the woodworks for a long time as well. They didn't just come out you know, uh, for some quick cash grab. And... Yeah, no, their team is just really strong. Like, okay, so, and, you know, whatever, take this as you will. The, so, but it's important to understand for them. So they have this thing called the Crypto Chicks, right? That's Vitalik's mom, the CEO, whose uh, name is forgetting, I'm forgetting at the moment. Uh, she's a brilliant blonde Russian woman, but she, it's them and then this other Asian, uh, this Asian chick. <laughs> she, okay, they, okay. They, they are the <laughs> Crypto Chicks. <laughs> they, 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 Vitalik's they, mom and an Asian chick. That's they, the they're, the, they're the crypto. They're the crypto chicks. But no, here's the thing. They're they are a blockchain education program. They've been doing that for a long time. So just like for whatever educating people in space. But they also like basically like help consult people and have helped guide projects. One of them being Stani back in the day. They worked with Stani on Ave in like 2016. So like like both the CEO 
and Vitalik's mom. So, um, you know, point being, that's actually something that uh, has, you know, they've had some success with in the past. So um, the other thing, um, and you can look more into this, there's, uh, they talk about these things called DACs. So obviously we have DAOs. DACs are decentralized autonomous corporations. So really it's just a, a DAO with actual structure and like, you know, whatever, not a bunch of random people in a Discord trying to guide it. And they provide uh, almost like a like SaaS like service where like a, like a basically structure for people's DACs, like their, uh, their payroll or whatever, helping them uh, with tokenomics or whatever else. Like they're, they're basically like a consultancy service for DAOs and DACs as well. So on top of being a blockchain education service with the crypto chicks, they're also like this Metis DAO is like this DAC DAO consultancy firm. And on, that's all on top of them being an optimistic L2 with a token. And they've even talked about them having um, uh, them switching to ZK Tech as they see fit. But obviously the, the dilemma right now is ZK Tech isn't EVM compatible. Some use a different programming language. So optimistic rollups are a practical solution right now. Um, and then last part of the spiel is uh, Ave is launching soon. They, they've uh, already announced a governance proposal for that. And uh, Curve is also rumored to be, I think, just stealth launching, but they're going to be on that soon, soon too. So uh, a lot of you know big names also seem to support it, uh, and obviously they have close ties with Sony from back in the day. So, anyways, that's my broader meta spiel. Uh, they've definitely been uh, building this for quite some time, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the ecosystem. I'm, I'm farming on it. it it's a good experience. Uh, all the L2s are really fast, so it doesn't differ from the other L2s in terms of like uh, speed and uh, and finality. You guys have used Arbitrum before, you know how, how good it is. Uh, it's actually phenomenal to be frank. Like, uh, and I love Avalanche. I love some other chains, but like uh, they don't compare, you know, Avalanche, you might wait 30 seconds for a transaction. That is not the case on Mel2. It's pretty instant. So, uh, yeah, gas is still like two bucks. I will say that, which is, you know, not the best for some people, you know, maybe not feasible for some, but, uh, they are going to be, uh, changing the gas requirements because of more storage on the chain, uh, later this quarter, There's, they said Q1. So, uh, with that upgrade, the gas should just be a few cents. So anyways, it's my long meta spiel, but, uh, obviously I'm a fan. So another reason I think. L2s are going to be very, very, very important for the next also year or two. Marketing. Okay. Female empowerment chain. That's Metis. Uh, they have great marketing. Like you can't. No, no. Just, I'm just investing. Sounds, it sounds like Harmony, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, hey, Metis works better than Harmony. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, Metis for 300 mil and Harmony's 2 mil. Yeah. I'll take, I'll, I'll take I'll that. Take it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. What Mike pulled up here on screen, if people are uh, listening, is the Ethereum upgrade uh, timeline. And a lot of people are talking about, oh, ETH2 coming March, April-ish, right? Uh, Q1, Q2 this year. It's very exciting. It's, we're going to have all this scaling, blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> not true. Not at all. Mike, do you want to elaborate? Because this is a big fucking deal, and I don't think people are talking about this. 
In fact, yeah. Ansem actually tweeted a troll poll on Twitter the other day because he tweeted, uh, "Will ETH will the will the merge in in like March April decrease gas fees? Yes, no, or whatever." And and like I think like seventy percent said no, and someone in the comments was like. Bro, they know Shardy isn't launching uh, yet, right? And he's like, "Shh, don't let the poll finish." Like, like people do not know this. Please explain, Mike. Yeah. So all they're, I mean, so all they've been doing is they're just switching from officially switching from proof of work, proof of stake. A lot of their test nets, you know, already uh, what they're doing with like some of the bottom things. I don't think they actually have it is, um, on their test nights. So you can go in and uh, kind of like prep and do like you know test nut shit for the proof of stake, but um. It's, it's, it's most likely not going to reduce gas. All they're it's switching is the consensus, which is a positive step. We can see it's like data sharing is not coming till late 2022, maybe 2023. So there's still going to be a big issue. And I think this is getting a little overblown. And uh, L2 is for sure going to be, a, they're not just going to be like, oh, we can all just use Ethereum right away. And um, a little pre context and data sharding. Please correct me if I'm wrong in this. I don't know a whole lot about it, but the shards are essentially a chain on Ethereum, correct? But they're not. But they differ from parachains where they don't have as much customability. Is that correct? Uh, not, necess not necessarily with the custom customability part. I thought that was the main distinction between a parachain and. A data shard is that you can't a parachain you have a lot more control over like oh, go risk oh. and tokenomics whereas well, no, sharding well. shards don't yes that is true Sorry. you can't control like separate tokenomics like you would with a parachain and i'm not technical enough to like really go into the details of data sharding people should go read vitalik's blog because he really has great explanations for it um anyways yeah it's the, the point is it ain't coming okay we're gonna have proof of stake in uh march april whenever they do the merge uh which is the beacon chain which is currently the 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 eth2 like testnet that's been around for a while um, but the merge will not have sharding, which is the main scaling difference. So we will, we will not be proof of work. We will be proof of stake, but we will not have the data sharding, which is the main scaling. And so gas fees will not be cheaper, maybe marginally cheaper, like slightly, slightly cheaper, but it, it's pretty much not going to be any different. Um, and the sharding isn't going to come for another year or two. So that's why L2s are incredibly, incredibly important for the next year or two. And even even once sharding is out, you'll still need L2s for even further scaling, right? Like, I think I think I've seen that sharding will be like six to ten x more efficient than what Ethereum is now, as far as like gas fees and all that. Um, so even then, like, okay, your two hundred dollar gas fee is now twenty bucks. That's that's still expensive. Like, you still will need L2s on top of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. Yeah, it's a it big is, deal. Yeah, your e, the ETH mainnet is still not going to be super gas friendly at all, and I, I don't think it's ever meant to be. I've heard I've heard like Santiago and other people talk about this. Um, that that's the way it is. Well, we're going to be transacting on L twos, and one I mean one of the reasons that I'm bullish on them, especially as a lot of these L ones uh, are becoming, um, you know, uh, l l less uh, you know are getting flushed out, and. Uh, um, the thing on the ETH 2.0 front, I was going to say, was uh, that I think Anson was kind of uh, implying it's like ETH 2.0 isn't going to happen, right? People are like making fun of ETH for that. But the reality is they rebranded it. It's 
ETH 2.0 is not the thing anymore. L2s are, are ETH 2.0. That's, that's what it is. So Arbitrum and Optimism and all this stuff, like these are the solutions that ETH 2.0 was, you know, effectively branded as. So they've rebranded it to say now there is going to be the consensus layer and the execution layer. That's how they've rebranded it now. Yeah. And so what will happen is the consensus change will happen in March, proof of work to proof of stake, but the execution will not. And that's, I mean, the execution is what actually like the main thing that matters here as far as scaling goes. Um, and so that's, that's kind of it. And a lot of people are not talking about this. And I think, People should be very much aware that the actual scaling of ethl one don't expect it to happen this year, maybe even not next year. We'll see. Hopefully next year, but it might not even happen next year. Uh, and something else I wanted to add to this, and one of the reasons why I am bullish L2s and you know the, the ones we, we talked about uh, here today, but is, uh, and Vitalik actually mentioned this, so we, we mentioned the wormhole hack, right? So... Uh, to my understanding, and it might be a little bit beyond my, my reach in terms, in terms of technical understanding, but going from L1 to L1 has more security risks than going L1 to L2. I think it has something to do with the different asset, like, right, like Wormhole got hacked because it had Wormhole wrapped ETH, right? That was one of the things, and it got hacked on the Rust side of things. So it all when you're going L1 to L1, you also open up the uh the other programming language potentially that that sort of avenue right um the risks associated with Rust, especially when you go from like evm to non-evm that's it's a very difficult challenge to solve and uh that you know wormhole is an example of how fragile it can be and point being you know uh it's a little bit nuanced you kind of gotta like think a little bit uh i guess for yourself to to figure it out but like at the end of the day, that's bullish for L2s. Like in this bridging society. And L0, I would say. Like that's why a lot of people are bullish on Cosmos mm -hmm. because you won't have those problems. Exactly. So, um, you know, in this world where we're all going chain to chain, well, uh, you know, maybe that's actually more beneficial for the L2s for security purposes or that is one of the benefits to them. So anyways, just a point I wanted to bring up, something I've been thinking about more and, you know, definitely helps, I guess, kind of my, my, my case in my head for for this sort of stuff. So, anyways. Yeah. What Vitalik said is he said multi-chain, not cross-chain. As in, you will have separate chains that do their own thing and people will use them for different purposes and that will be one way we scale. But the cross-chain communication between them is the really, really hard part that we're not anywhere close to really getting solved yet. Uh, there's a lot of different people who have different uh, solutions for that. It could be bridges. It could be something like chain link. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But we're, the reality is we're just not close. Um, yeah, uh, we actually, I recently uh, did a report on Moonbeam. Uh, I think we should, we should probably be putting out here in the near future. And uh, they have their own solution for this, something like called the XEM standard, which effectively, uh, so they're the EVM chain for Polkadot, right? So it allows assets that are natively on Polkadot to basically tap in to their uh, EVM. So the XCM standard allows for them to do XC20 tokens, which is basically like, all right, we've got our native Polkadot asset, but now we're going to make it look like an ERC20 and basically remote control it from the EVM chain. So anyways, just like uh, talking about like in there, that instance Polkadot solution for that, uh, 
uh, just learned about it, and uh, it's pretty cool, you know. So uh, point being, you know, different different solutions for for different chains, but uh, Polkadot uh, also has ACA, which is my knowledge. It allows people to interact with DeFi without actually having to do any of like you know all the like RPC MetaMask crap, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's their DeFi hub. I, I haven't looked into like their their app and stuff myself, but uh, yeah, my baseline understanding is is what yeah. you said, DeFi hub and uh, you know, normie, normie friendly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just wanted to highlight that too. Like, uh, um, with the thought of cross chain versus multi-chain, you know, it's, uh, some tenuous solutions right now, but, uh, all that being said, I, I think it's good for L2s and like you said, L zeros. All right. I, uh, I think that's good for today, right? Any other topics we want to talk, talk about? We're almost an hour and a half now. No, I think that's good. All right. Well, thank you so much if you uh, listened all the way here. Uh, we are live, by the way, finally on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we had a little delay on that, but we're live everywhere. Leave us a review if you want. We're on Spotify, obviously YouTube if you want to see the screen. Um, follow our Twitter. Subscribe to our newsletter. All the links will be in the description. Um, we're putting out more stuff this week. Uh, we're going to have our own uh, the narratives that no one's talking about but will. That's going to be our uh, narrative prediction that will probably come out next week. And then we'll have some reports in the meantime. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening and watching. We will see you next time.